Amen. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to look around and see the family of faith. Amen. The people of God looking so nice. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you should look nice this morning. Amen. Back in the day, we used to say, you're looking fine. <laughs> it's good to see the family of faith together. Did, did you, do you know the Bible says that wherever two or three come together, that Jesus said, I'll be in the midst of you, that wherever two or three come together, agreeing by touching any one thing, that whatever we ask, it will be given to us. Amen. We are in an atmosphere of the supernatural, of the ability of God. And I just welcome you into that, into that habitation. I welcome you into that atmosphere. Let's expect God to do something wonderful. I'm expecting God to do something extraordinary today in our service. And so let's just be ready to receive of the Lord. We want to welcome everybody today. I look around, I see a lot of familiar faces, some unfamiliar faces, some guests and friends. And so we want you to know how important you are to us. Welcome to Harvest Point Church. We love you in the Lord. We hope you'll enjoy your time with us as we get into the word of the Lord. Let's do this together. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. We're going to read a few passages here that I believe are going to be a blessing and ministration to you. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Acts chapter 1. And if you'll allow me just to kind of bring everybody into a little bit of uh, uh, some, some thought about where we are in terms of our preaching series. We are still in our preaching series entitled From the Inside Out. Because we believe in the transformational power of the Holy Spirit who transforms you from the inside out. Uh, we believe that there is a relational experience with God that doesn't always manifest itself first in an outward exterior, but rather an interior uh, uh, ability that the Spirit of God brings to each and every one of us. And so we are, we are speaking from the inside out today. And of course, we've had several messages along the way. And I think the last time I preached, I was out last week, and I thank everybody for excusing me for a little while. I went to the state of Colorado, where uh, most of my family, or a portion of my family still resides, and I was there with, with family in Greeley, Colorado, right? About 50 miles north of a big city called Denver, and I was there with my family, and so I was out last week, so thank you for allowing me just a few, few days to escape and get away from things and visit my family, but... I think the last message I preached was entitled Perfection. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message, can I encourage you to go back and, and hear that message? It's there on, on our on-demand feature on our website. And, of course, uh, by Facebook and YouTube, you can always catch every message and every teaching right here at Harvest Point Church. Today I am in Acts chapter 1. I'm preaching a message entitled Willpower. Willpower. And we're going to talk about that today as we get into some wonderful conversations concerning the very will of God. If you're in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading here at verse 4 through 8. Again, this is uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And if you have a red letter edition of your Bible, you'll find that uh, several of these verses are in red. And I'm namely trying to get to verse 8. So I know that there's a lot that we could extract from this today uh, for some of my students of the word of the Lord. But we're namely going to try to get into verse 8 just for a while and really give attention to this particular verse but I know uh, the entirety of the message and the purpose of the message today is going to be extraordinary. Amen. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. I'm reading from the King James Version of my Bible, and it begins like this. And being assembled together with them, 
commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But listen to this, y'all. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. We know he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But listen to this. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Listen to this. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Did you see that? I'm going to read that again. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Man, that's awesome. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? We're just going to get our minds. I know you've, you, you, you've got a lot planned this evening, but we've just got to separate for the next, let's say, 30, 40 minutes, and we're just prepare our minds for the entry of the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to entertain your mind, your heart, your purpose. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you convey these thoughts, that they not be lost, that nobody come in today and leave confused, or, or without answer. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you just embed this word upon their hearts. Uh, let the evidence of this word be, be true to them, not just today, but tomorrow and next week. We pray that the seed of this word, uh, as it's planted upon good hearts, will yield back into the kingdom, not 30, not, not 60, but 100 times that which was sown. We prayed upon the family of faith. We pray this word to be a word of deliverance, a word of help, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement, exhortation, all that you would purpose it to be. And so, Holy Spirit, we lean upon you to bring this word to us. And we do all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, before you're seated, before you're seated, I want you to go find somebody and I want you to look them in the eye and I want you to just look them straight in the eye. Don't let them look to the left or right and tell them you are a witness. Go tell them you are a witness. Go find somebody, greet them in the Lord, give them a big hug and say you are a witness. You are a witness. you are a witness. Emilio, you are a witness. Alberto, you are a witness. Celestina, you are a witness. Yeah. You are a witness. You are a witness. You are a witness. 
Again, welcome to everybody that's tuning in by stream, those that are here live. I like the way Brother Randy said, there's nothing like being, li it's nothing like being live. Amen. At Harvest Point Church, we're all the way live. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, do, do me this favor. Uh, go, go with me real quick to your Bible. Just put a Bible ribbon. This is our pivot point. I always try to give a verse that's going to be a kind of a pivot, a way for us to bring in some mind some of the thoughts we're going to be sharing today. So, so go get your Bible ribbon and place it there. If you've got a bookmark, if you've got a digital Bible, uh, put your tab there, your digital tab. On John chapter 3, I'm going to come back and delude. I'll give you the verse here in a moment. I'm going to come back and bring you back to John 3. Because I want to share something wonderful in the scriptures concerning who I believe is the greatest witness of the things of God. And I'm come back and I'll share that with you here in just a moment. Uh, years ago, when I uh, first began our missionary work uh, in the nation of Ethiopia, uh, we decided to uh, make a travel there and to uh, begin to build the churches uh, on our mission ground. For many of you that are not familiar with our mission's work in Ethiopia, there are seven, over 700 churches there and a million members that are part of this church. Uh, when I first went, my, my missionary, uh, Gedehun Tsema, who I'm hoping will be with us in the fall, uh, asked me if I would go and preach in the very city that he was possessed of a devil. Uh, some of you may not know this, but in, it, but in uh, places of the world, people will, will go to be possessed that they might channel or, for, or foretell or soothsay uh, in an effort to make money. Uh, my missionary said that his mother at a very early age, he was no more than 11 years of age, and his mother took him to a channeler, and they channeled a spirit into him that he might soothsay, he might gainsay uh, through uh, this demonic spirit. Uh, Gedehun tells me that at times his spirit would take over him. Uh, and at times it would even close his mouth and shut his ears. Uh, that at times that, 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 that spirit would cause him to thrash his body and he would rip off his clothes. And he says, preacher, will you please go to the town that I was possessed in? Uh, and if my memory serves me correctly, I was on a preaching circuit and I was preaching many churches, many churches, several times a day. Uh, and if my memory's right, the name of that city was Sashamani, Ethiopia. It is considered the demonic capital of the world. Uh, they had sent uh, people weeks before I went to minister. Uh, and, and basically, uh, they put up banners and posters saying, if you've been possessed of a devil, if there's a devil that's inside of you that you no longer can't control, if that devil has taken control of your life, meet us at the fairgrounds. God will deliver you. I remember that when we went, we met with the pastors there. And, and we told the pastors, listen, as I begin to preach, those spirits will manifest. But when they do, we're not going to stop service. We're going to put them in a room, a room no, maybe half the size of the sanctuary. And they were just everybody that would manifest. And while I preached, devils would scream out. People would gnash at their teeth and foam at their mouth. People would go into convulsions, and they would just pick those people up and place them in that room. After service, uh, after the service was done, many miracles were done there. Wonderful acts of God were performed. 
And one by one, we went to that room. Brothers and sisters, I tell you that when they opened the door, they say, Preacher, we want you to see what these hundreds of people are doing in this room. And when he opened up the door, as I peered in, they were slithering on each other like snakes. They were under demonic ability. You say, Preacher, why do you bring up that story? I bring it up because... I'm here today to tell you that I am possessed of the Holy Ghost. And if I can see the work of the devil, if I can see the instruments that he's using, if I can see people's will subjected to demonic work, shouldn't we see today the work of the Spirit of God in this sanctuary? Are you possessed of the Spirit of God? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That you are no longer by yourself. Have you not heard? Have you not heard that God has said to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say the Lord is my helper. You are unique, brother and sister. You are an instrument of God. You are the walking, living, moving tabernacle of the Almighty. There is something mighty in you. You are bought with a price. You are possessed of the Spirit of God. Shouldn't it be right now that as I even speak to you that the Spirit of God begins to move upon you and you feel his effect upon your life that you can't even contain yourself. You know Jesus said that when you got the Spirit of God... It would be like a stream of living water, effervescent water that anybody that says Jesus, you come alive. And any spiritual thing or any work in the kingdom of heaven, you have energy into the kingdom of God. It amazes me to see so many people who claim to be full of the Holy Spirit who do absolutely nothing in the kingdom of God. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to do something, baby, because you've got the spirit of the living God on the inside of you. How many today just go ahead and say hallelujah if you got the spirit of the living God on the inside of I have the spirit of God on the inside of me. And he imposes his will upon me. It is what I call willpower. Do you know that God wants to do something extraordinary right now? He wants to move. There's something that God is looking at, something that God is perceiving. There are things going on around you right now in your life that you look at them and you just shake your head and you say, look at that thing there. That's all out of order. And the Spirit of God rises up in you and say, go talk to that thing. Go speak over it. Make a declaration because the will of God, the will of God is in the Spirit of God. Let me say that one more time. The will of God is in the Spirit of God. Do you know that God is willing? I live in a generation now where people are subjected to the thought, will God do it? Do you know that Jesus preached the greatest message ever preached on earth in the Sermon on the Mount? And the Bible says that when he came off of that mountain, a leper met him there and worshipped him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me whole. 
And the Bible says that Jesus immediately reached forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou cleansed. And immediately that leper was made whole. Do you know today that God wants to do it? I'm in a generation of people saying, well, I know God can do the impossible and God can do anything and God can do this and God can do that. You just don't believe he'll do it for you. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me and he's crying out to me night and day saying, God wants to do it. God wills to do it. It's his heart to do it. Come on, somebody. God wants to show forth something beautiful, something awesome, something extraordinary in your life. Well, you look at your neighbor right now and say, God wants to do it. All that talking you're doing about, well, I don't know if God wants to do it, or will God do it, and I don't know when God won't do it, and I don't know, I haven't been good enough for God to do it, and God wants to do it right now in your life. We've got a right now God with the right now willingness to answer your right now prayer. And I'm so glad that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. And he bears witness to that. And he says, preacher, God wants to do it. God wills to do it. It's his heart to do it. God wants to show his goodness. Do you know today that God is rich in goodness and mercy and grace and God is willing to do it? God doesn't want you living like you're living. God wants you to live above your circumstances, not under them. And I'm here to tell you, and I've come to tell you on behalf of the Holy Spirit that God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. In fact, could I even say to you, that God wants to make you a witness. Let me say that one more time because I just believe that we've lost the beauty of being a witness. Most people perceive that in this statement that Jesus made the disciples that, that, that the Spirit of God comes, the Holy Ghost comes so that you can go witnessing. It's not what it says. Jesus said the power of the kingdom of heaven, the Holy Spirit will come upon you so that you will be a witness. In other words, so that you might have an encounter with God. That you might experience something. That you might go through something to see God's hand, his deliverance, the things that God does. I believe there's a lot of people today that have a facsimile of the kingdom of heaven and that you understand the gospel, you just don't understand the gospel of God. Do, do you know that in Jesus' tenure, Jesus preached the gospel. You say, well, how could he preach the gospel before he died on the cross? He preached the gospel of God. Well, what is the gospel of God? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the power of God is right here, right now. Will you touch your neighbor and say, the power of God is right here, right now. Not everybody did it. I'm going to wait till all of you do it because some of y'all are tripping. Look at your neighbor and say, the power of God is right here, right now. Isn't that awesome to have a right now God? For some of you that don't like waiting, I hate waiting. Sometimes, you know, you get around somebody, you, you, I don't like being long lines. Isn't it nice to know that Jesus on the main line, he's a right now God. He does it right now. Jesus preached that God, the kingdom of heaven, was at hand. That the authority, the ability of God was present with us. You didn't have to gaze and wonder. You didn't have to look into the stars. You didn't have to suppose or even wonder about God. The kingdom of heaven is right now. It's right now. 
Somebody say right now. Shout out right now. You say, well, how could it be a right now God? Because faith is right now. Now faith is right now. Not tomorrow, not next week. It's not delayed. It's not hope. It's faith. Faith says God can do it right now. Somebody shout out right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now God can do it. The Spirit of God wants to make you a witness. You know, there's a lot of people in here, and I believe we've all witnessed some stuff in our walk with God. Anybody witness some stuff? I mean, I've seen some stuff in my days in the kingdom of God. In church, I've seen people delivered. I've seen God do the miracle. I've seen God answer the prayer. I've seen some things. Do you know today that you're accountable for what you've seen in the Lord? It's my perception today in the church that we don't take personal what we've seen in the kingdom of God. Do you know today that you've seen some things that would liberate somebody from their bondage? Do you know that you've experienced something? You've seen and heard what God can do. And there's somebody right now in your sphere of influence, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister, a friend, a co-worker. Somebody right now needs to hear what you know about God. I'm not saying the gospel. I'm not teaching. I'm not trying to tell you to go tell them how to be saved. I'm there to tell them how God does deliver. I mean, or our God delivers. And he's able. And I think there's just a lot of us today that haven't taken personal what we've experienced in the Lord. My God is awesome. My God is incredible. My God is exceedingly, abundantly able to do more than what we even ask, more than what we can even imagine. Our God is able. Shout out, God is able. My God is able. My God is able. God has sent me here this morning to stir up your witness. I think a lot of us are just too quiet. I've come to stir up your witness. You're just too quiet. We talk about everything under the sun but the ability of God. We travail and we go through problems and we think of every possible remedy but God. just been too quiet do you know today that the bible says that the righteous are bold as lions that when you have a witness on the inside of you you can't be quiet that when you hear that somebody's going through they've got a problem they got a situation the spirit of god lifts up inside of you and say go let them know that i can heal go talk to them pick up the phone go by and do a visit let them know that i'm able testify testify do you know today you got a testimony? Whoever young you are, however old you are, you've got a testimony because you claim to have encountered God. I've had an encounter with God, Tommy. I've had an encounter with God. I've encountered the Lord. Because I've had an encounter with God, I now have a witness. Do you know that the Bible says prophetically in the last days that we're going to overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony? 
Brothers and sisters, your testimony is powerful. Stop keeping it quiet. The greatest arsenal you have right now in the arsenal of faith is to go tell somebody, let me tell you what my God did for me. And let me tell you when he did it. And let me tell you how he lifted me up. Let me tell you how he healed me. Let me tell you how he delivered me. The greatest arsenal in the hand of the believer right now in this very hour is to tell people how great God is and what he did for you. This is not religious rhetoric. This is relational to tell somebody, my God is able. My God is able. Go hug three people right now and tell them God is able. Get up right now and go to the three people. Say God is able. Baby, if you won't do it in church, you're not going to do it at home. So go ahead and start practicing. Go get somebody. Give them a big hug and say my God is able. My God is able. My God is able. Sister Kim, my God is able. Irma, my God is able. George, my friend, my God is able. George, God is able, George. God is able, my brother. He's able. Daniel and Gina, my God's able, my friends. He's able. My God's able. My God's able. God sends me here this morning to remind you that you're the witness. You, you're the witness. This is something we say we've encountered. You know, witness is nothing more than somebody who has seen and heard. Some, somebody who has not only seen and heard, but somebody who will recount what they've seen and heard. It's as though God is calling you into the halls to give testament, into the halls of heaven to give testimony of his greatness. Sometimes you need to be reminded that you're the witness. You are the witness. The second greatest witness on earth was a man that we call John the Baptist. John the Baptist's testimony is so beautiful in so much that the Bible says that when Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to salute her cousin Elizabeth, that at the salutation of Mary to Elizabeth, that baby John leaped in his mother's womb and was filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> John the Baptist is a bad boy. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost in the very womb of his mother. He is what we call the forerunner, the precursor of Christ. He was to prepare the way of the Lord. John was sent on earth to give witness to the person Christ. Let me say that one more time. John was the precursor, baptized in the Holy Ghost, to give witness to the person Christ. We know this happened because the Bible records it. But while John was in the river Jordan, he gave this testimony. I baptize you in water unto repentance. But there's one coming mightier than I who's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And as he spoke those words with his feet still in the river Jordan, he saw to the banks the Lamb of God approach. And he by his very finger pointed said, Behold the Lamb of God 
who's latching up this shoe I'm unworthy to untie. Jesus entered into that river Jordan to be baptized of John. And the Bible says that when John baptized him, the heavens opened. came out of him. And a dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, listen, came out of heaven and rested upon the shoulder of the Almighty. And a voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Fast forward to the book of Luke. The physician gives us a story so incredible. St. Luke chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. We hear an anomaly. Something has happened. Something has happened to the witness. John sends two of his disciples back to Jesus with a question. The question is this. Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? He's the witness. He's the one. If anybody should know, that's Jesus. It's John the Baptist. He sends two of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? And the Bible says that when those witnesses came to Jesus, he said not a word. And the Bible says that same hour, Jesus cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto them that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answered them. You know what he said? He said, go your way. Go back and tell John the things ye have seen and heard. How the blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. In other words, go back and give John a witness. Go witness to the witness. Go tell the one who's supposed to know that I'm the Messiah, that you have seen and heard the work of Almighty God. How is it that the church has gone so quiet? How is it that we profess to know Jesus? We say that we're saved by a mighty God, that the Lamb of God came and bled and died for you, that you had an encounter with God. Now we don't know that God is able and that he's willing and that the goodness of God abounds towards us. And if there's going to be any good, it's going to abound in the house of the Lord. My brother and sister, God has sent me to tell you it's time to witness. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to witness. If John the Baptist needed a reminder, you need a reminder. Of all the people to grace earth, the apostles were witnesses. The shepherds were witnesses. The second greatest witness on earth was John the Baptist. 
And even he failed in his witness. Have you been failing in your witness? When you're in those little private conversations, friends, and they detailed all their trouble and the calamity that's, that's rushed into their lives because, you know, the enemy comes in like a flood. People are panicking. People are full of fear. Have you witnessed? I didn't say that you tell them that Jesus died on the cross. I'm asking you, did you share what God's done for you? What have you seen? What have you heard? Friend, I'm concerned about the church. And you know why I'm concerned? Because we've dumbed it down. I don't want you to think that church is about ability, men's ability. I want you to know it's about the ability of God. Our young people need to see that God still does miracles and that God still heals and that God is still able and that God can still reach you and God is greater than anything you would ever go through. And people need to see the supernaturalness of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Well, you look at your neighbor right now and tell him, hey, I got news. God is supernatural. I mean, God is a spirit. By nature, he's supernatural. I'm concerned about our generation that even the witnesses stop witnessing. Listen, if John the Baptist can fail, you can fail too. God sends somebody like me to remind you that you need to witness again. And that there's power to witness. I think there's a lot of people in here afraid to boast in the Lord. I love boasting in Christ. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in Him. I didn't come to boast about me. I didn't come to boast about us, about the name or who we are. I come to boast about God. And friend, I'm here to tell you, I'll meet you down here. All this boasting will manifest right here at this altar. And if you've got a need and if you've got a problem, and if the doctor said you got something, the cure is right here at the altar of the Almighty. Because I'm that brother that will deliver it to you. I live my life in such a way that I can be a dispenser, that I can pour out the victory of God. I'm a witness. I know my God is able. I know what it is to go into a hospital room when they're trying to decide whether or not to pull the plug. And I say in the name of Jesus, get up out of that bed and see a dead person rise up. I've been there, baby. I know my God is able. I've seen x-rays change. I've seen the hand of God. I've seen him move. I've seen him deliver people. I've seen people in bondage delivered in one stroke of, a, of a, the anointing of the hand of God. And people are delivered by his mighty act. My God is gracious. My God is kind. My God is merciful. My God wants to do it. My God wills to do it. He just needs a witness out there somewhere. Is there any witnesses in the house? Lord? Do we have any witnesses here at Harvest Point Church? Say that God is able. God is able, God is able, God is able. Get up right now and find three people and tell them, God is able. Get up right now and find somebody. Give them a big hug and say, I want you to know that God is able. God is able, God is able. God is able, God is able. God is able, God is able. 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 Just say it to yourself. Say it until, say it until you get down into the recesses of your heart, man. Get back into the recesses of your mind, you know.
The devil's playing tricks with you. Just tell him God is able. The devil's trying to destroy you, trying to discourage you, trying to make you feel like you ain't got no way out. And God is able. The devil's trying to run over you and make you look like you ain't got nothing, that you ain't got no future, that you ain't going nowhere. And just tell him, my God is able. My God is able. My God is able. My God is able. Second greatest witness on earth was John the Baptist. But the greatest witness ever on earth is that person we call Jesus. Let me tell you why. Open your Bible. St. John chapter 3. This is our pivot verse. This is our text where we get down into the meat of things. You know, I want to be a great witness for God. I want to live my life like I'm a true witness. Man, I've seen some things. Can I stop here and tell you, you need to take more personal what God's let you see. I think some of you have seen some incredible things on God's behalf, and you haven't testified about it. I, th I think you've been through some things. I'm looking around, young and old. I think God's done some good things in here. I, I, I believe my God's been good to you. I really do. I look around. And I see people clothing. You've got food in your, prepared in, in your refrigerator at home. And you, you're going to go out to eat lunch right after church. And you, you've seen God promote you and do some good things. And I'm not even talking about the supernatural. I'm just talking about the goodness of God. And yet there's some of you in here that God has touched you and healed you and helped you and he sustained you when you couldn't sustain yourself. And I know God's been good here. There are some witnesses here. There's some witnesses here. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I'm a witness, baby. Don't mess with me, baby. I'm a witness. I'll mess up your world. I'll mess up your pity party. Because, you know, there's a lot of people in there having a pity party. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this thing came. And I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. And, and, you know, they said this and that. And then, and then I called my attorney. And he didn't have no answer. And then, and then I went over and my uncle and my aunt. They said bad things to me. My mama and my daddy, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And you got all these sad stories to tell. Baby, you got a witness in your life. Start witnessing to yourself if you can't witness to anybody else. Whisper in your neighbor's ear, say, witness to yourself. You have enough of the power of God in you to change your situation. Because you see, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. He's the willpower. Not your power, the willpower of God. Do you know that the Spirit of God lives in you to produce the will of God? He's willpower. Whatever God thinks, he puts into motion. Whatever God says, he hastens after the word. It's the Holy Spirit who brings it to pass. And that spirit lives on the inside of you. Do you know today that the thoughts of God are so numerous towards you, they're like the sand on the sea? And you're acting as though nobody cares? Your God loves you and cares about you. And his thoughts for you are so numerous you couldn't even count them in if you wanted to. They're infinitesimal. It's infinite, the thought of God towards you. And do you know that the Spirit of God stands ready to make every thought and everything of God made real in your life? And all you've got to do is stand up and testify and have faith in the very word of the Lord and say, my God will deliver me. <laughs> Touch your name and say, don't be scared. St. John chapter 3, you there? Let me give you the testimony of the greatest witness. 
This is the greatest witness to ever be on earth. And we know his name. His name is Jesus. Listen to how John describes him. John says this, St. John chapter 3, verse 31. Listen to these marvelous words. He that cometh from above is above all. <laughs> he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of earthly. Did you hear that? He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and, what, and heard. Here we go. And what he hath seen and heard. Come on, somebody. And what Jesus hath seen and heard that he testified. Notice what this verse says. And no man receiveth his testimony. Did you ever notice that everywhere Jesus went, everybody got healed? Did you ever notice that everywhere Jesus went, everybody got healed? Did you ever notice that everywhere Jesus went, everyone got healed? Did you ever notice that everywhere Jesus went, everyone got healed? Did you ever notice that everywhere Jesus went, everyone got healed? Did you ever notice that everywhere that Jesus went, everyone got healed? Say, how is that so, preacher? Because it's the will of God to heal. It's the will of God to deliver. This question became such a theological debate in the day of Jesus that Jesus says, what is easier to say? Son, your sins be forgiven, or rise up and take up your mat and go home. I live in a culture of people today. I live amongst a culture of people today who believe it is easier to be forgiven than it is to be healed. Jesus lived in a time where they believed it's easier to be healed than it is to be forgiven. I come to you with the words of the Lord. Well, what is easier? Your sins be forgiven you. And there's not one person in here who doesn't believe that their sins are forgiven. But there's some of you in here that don't believe in God's goodness to heal you. Let me expound. St. John 5. There is a pool in Jerusalem called Bethesda. Bethesda was a pool where the supernatural agency of God would appear by an angel. The Bible says that at sundry times and seasons an angel of God would appear and would touch the surface of the water. Whoever was sick of their infirmity, if they were to get to the water first, they would be healed. Nobody had a problem with that. No one had a problem with that. The Bible tells me that Jesus went by the, the sheep gate. This is where all the animals correct. This is what I call the ghetto side of Jerusalem. I mean, you know, every city got a ghetto. It's the hood. 
So Jesus went over to the hood of Jerusalem, and, and there he observed a man who had laid there for 38 years. 38. 38 years trying to be healed. The Bible says that Jesus, when he saw him lie there, knew that he'd been there long in that case. He went over and he asked him a question. Will you be made whole? And he said this to Jesus. Well, I have nobody to help me into the water when the water stirred. I see the stirring. I see that there's the agency of God. I just don't have anyone to help me to get there. And by the time I get over there, by the time I crawl or, or limp or make my way over there, somebody's already entered in and stole my healing. Jesus said, rise, take up thy mat and go home. You say you don't have anybody? Now you do. Rise up. Take up your mat and go home. The man rolled up his mat. He stood up in strength and vitality and began his walk home. As he walked, some religious people say, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? You're not allowed to carry your mat on the Sabbath. It's against the law. He says, well, I'm only doing what the man told me to do, the man that healed me. So what was that man's name? I don't even know who he is. Just a man came and told me, get up and walk. So I started walking. Later that day, Jesus sees him at the temple praising. And he taps him. Hey, sin no more. Let something worse come upon you. As soon as that man saw or understood that it was Jesus who healed him, he went back to tell him, hey, I know who healed me. It was Jesus. And they were angry. Because Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath. They got angry. They were angry because Jesus broke the Sabbath by commanding a man to work. And the Bible says they sought to slay Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, they said, why did you do this? And he said, you know why I did it? Because my father does it. Then they got all the more angry. Because not only did he break the Sabbath, but he was making himself equal by calling God his father. And then Jesus says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. I'm only doing what the Father does. I've seen God do it. And so I'm going to do what God does. Friend, you have willpower. You have the power to convey the will of God to somebody else. Did you know that? Did you know that the Spirit of God that lives in you is the willpower of God? And all he needs is a witness to convey the power of God. The will of God. Do you know today that God wants to help somebody? 
Do you know it's his heart? When you hear somebody, a friend, somebody around you who's crying out and saying, man, I'm in distress. I'm in dire straits. Man, I'm in a problem. I, I, I'm in a jam. And God has sent you there to witness. And when you witness, the power of God is conveyed. And God helps. And God helps. God helps people. That's what he loves to do. It's 11.54. That's not good because that means I only got six minutes. But if Dougie Fresh can do it, I can do it. Are you ready? Check this out. There's a man by the name of Peter. St. Matthew chapter 16. I'm closing. I want you to hear this. St. Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says that Jesus asked his disciples. The Bible says when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, to whom do they say the Son of Man is? It was Peter who said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, some Jeremiah, so one of the prophets. But Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said that I believe, I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says back to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my father which is in heaven. In other words, something supernatural has happened to you. This is not natural understanding. This is spiritual understanding. You know who I am. I want you to hear this, brothers and sisters. That here's a man who has identified the person Christ. He knows who Jesus is. The problem is that the Bible says that Jesus gives a wonderful expression of the power of God. That the very keys to the kingdom of heaven are going to be handed to them. That the church is going to explode with supernatural ability. And as the Bible says, from that time forth, Jesus began to show him how he must suffer. How he'd be turned over to evil men. How he'd be betrayed. How he'd be crucified. How he'd die and rise on the third day. And when Peter heard that, he told Jesus, I'll never let that happen to you. In other words, he knew Jesus. He just didn't know his will. There's a lot of people in here, you know Jesus, you just don't know the will. Listen, Peter didn't help nobody. What good is it to know who Jesus is if Jesus can't help? Friend, this is how we become religious and we become nonsensical in the hand of God. Why well, believe there's a God who created all the universe, who demonstrated to you the power of his ability, only to think that God's not able and that God won't and can't. And doesn't have a desire to. What did Jesus tell Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You don't savor the things of God. You savor those things that be of men. Friend, listen, church. You've got to get back to what God created you for. You've been made to be a witness. You say, preacher, man, I've never been with you on foreign ground. Listen, I've been all over the world preaching the word. And I've seen God do extraordinary things. But you didn't see it, and that's okay. But today you've heard it. Listen, I, can I share something with you? I never saw Jesus, not in the flesh. But I've seen him in the spirit. You say, how did Jesus see God do that? He saw it by faith. 
He had to pray like you and I had to pray. He saw how good God was and the grace of God, and he just knew that God would heal. You remember the little kid that came through the tiles on the roof while Jesus was teaching? And, and he came in, he was, he was paralyzed. He lay on that bed incapacitated. What did Jesus say? Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And everybody whispered, blasphemy. How can he say such a thing? But Jesus says it again. What's easier to say? Your sins be forgiven or get up and walk. Friend, today, if you've been forgiven, that's a miraculous thing. More miraculous than you think it is. I don't even want to ask you to raise your hand if you believe you've been forgiven. I know you've been forgiven. The same God that forgave you is the same God that will heal you. He's the same God that will do it, the same God that wants to do it. He's The Spirit conveys the willpower. God wants to do it. You're in trouble. You got a problem. Your marriage is in shambles. Your doctor gave you a bad report. You're not sure if you've got this, that, or the other. Some of you are getting older now, and you're seeing your body decline. You know, God will restore you. Brother Joseph, we were talking about that just a little early before you came in. Restoration is yours. You say, well, how do you know that, preacher? Because God's good. God's good. He's done it before. Ask Moses. I'm a witness to the glory of God, to the purposes of the Lord. Will you stand with me right now just for a moment? I'm not going to keep you long because I shouldn't have to because the Spirit of God is stirring you already. How many today will say, preacher, the Spirit of God is stirring in me, right? You know, if devils will stir you and cause you to foam at your mouth and gnash at your teeth and rip at your clothes, what is the Spirit of God doing to you right now? Is there anybody here today say, preacher, as you preach, the Spirit of God stirred me? He should have. If you have anything to do with God, the Spirit of God will stir you. And he'll remind you how great God is. Will you lift your hands right now to heaven and just, just tell God how great he is? I'm going to give you a moment to do that. This is all part of our, our altar service, so don't worry. This is just a, a moment where we're taking the message and putting the message into action. I just want you to, 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 to tell God, God, you're able. You're beautifully able. You're wonderfully able. There's nobody like you, Lord. There's nobody that we can compare to you. Your kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. Your faithfulness is from everlasting to everlasting. Why don't you bless the Lord right now? You know, just, just say, Father, I want to bless you. I want to say thank you. You know, when you bless God, you're just simply saying, bless you, Father, for being who you are. Bless you for your good works and your benevolent deeds. Bless you, bless you, bless you.